This is The Nature of Invisible Things with your host, Erin Kelly. Stories and conversations exploring the magic, mysticism, and creativity of the road less traveled. Welcome to the Nature of Invisible Things, the podcast. I'm your host, Erin Kelly, and I am so glad you are here. It is finally happening, finally. And I say that because you all likely don't know, but I have desired to create a podcast for some time now, and it just wasn't the right time. And it was a long time I wanted to have a partner. And that's because I'm a relational person and part of my magic happens in partnership with other people. And I had a couple of, uh, or a few actually, great options for co-hosts. And then something would always come up that would um, allow or not allow for them to have the time that they wanted to commit. And so it just, it just never happened. And then about a month ago, or maybe, maybe November timeframe, November, December timeframe, I had the idea like, oh, I can just have a rotating guest on the podcast and we'll just see how it goes. And that felt really right. And I started to kind of workshop the idea and and here we are. And so in this episode, episode zero, I wanted to share a bit about my hopes and dreams for the podcast and what it is about. I also want to share a little bit of my origin story and that is just to set the stage. There will probably be other solo episodes about me, but that's not the primary focus for this. I I really wanted you all to hear the points of view and the experiences uh, from magical and creative people that have been a gift to me on my path. And I use that word a lot, gift. And really what I'm coming to learn is that the gift is the presence and attention of another human being, you know, what a wonderful present that is to be in someone's presence. And, you know, you might not like everyone that I have on this podcast and that's okay. Uh, I'm not for everyone and I definitely feel the same way. So, you know, as always, I take what works for you and leave the rest. One of the biggest takeaways of this podcast is that there is no one right way to become who you are. There is no one right way to walk your path. And I really wanted to explore these stories because I'm hoping that it'll show you that even when you think you might not be on your path, you're walking your path, you know, at least that was the case for me. There were so many times when I was taking the scenic route or taking the long way round that I didn't understand that actually that too was part of my path. And so it's often in reflection and telling our own stories that we can see the connection. And I also wanted just to introduce you to some really amazing people. Um, I have been so blessed. And really what I thought this was going to be was a gift to all of the listeners but I have been interviewing folks so far. The interviews will start to come in the subsequent episodes. And what I'm really realizing is it's a gift to me. I am learning so much, not only about being a host of a podcast and a producer of a podcast, but also 
just the invitations that I feel are opening for me in these conversations is just a benefit that I actually didn't think of or conceive of. And so this podcast very much and the nature of invisible things as a concept has its own spirit and its own its own goals that are being revealed to me uh, as I move on. So yeah. So how did the nature of invisible things come to be? Well, the the name is one thing I wanted to talk about and share with all of you because it kind of happened. It happened actually a long time ago. It happened in 2016. So I write, I've written a few times about the time my fiance dumped me. And if you, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, or at least I'm not planning to go into a lot of detail here because you can read about that on my Substack. So I, there's two posts, meeting Merlin is one, and then the scenic route is the shortcut to two of those posts that kind of, you know, share a bit more of that story uh, about it. But that really was a catalyst that broke me open and set me squarely on the path. I mean, all of my experiences as a child and as a young adult and as a professional person trying to make it in the world, um, all of those experiences have made me who I am, but it was that moment. It was that, that really, that was my tower moment. That was the shattering of my identity that was wrapped up in codependence. And that, that is when everything fell away and I had no shred of my old life to hold on to, And I had to start living on my own. And what I mean is like, I was always living kind of like on my own and doing my own thing in a way, but it was always in reflection of the other person or the value that I had for the other person. So all of the things that I had set out to achieve in my life were through the lens of like who I had to be versus like who I really was. And so I had been dumped, (laughs) broken open just a horrible like I didn't see it the reason why it was so bad I'll just share okay I have a Libra stellium I I've never been really broken up with I know that's terrible and kind of egoic I guess but I'm a human being what can I say um but yeah I'd never really been dumped in that way I didn't and and too like I'd been broken up with before or in breakups but usually like you see it like you know there's a problem because you're either trying to work on it or you're talking about it or you're like, hey, this really, I don't really like it when you do this. And could you not do that anymore? And, or, hey, I'm not really thrilled in the relationship. What we can't communicate. Can we try to work on that? You know, you talk about it, or at least that was my experience. And so I'd never been dumped out of the blue when I didn't know that something was wrong. Like, I thought everything was okay. (laughs) We were supposed to be on vacation the following week, right? Like, the airline tickets were booked. The hotel room was booked. And we were, yeah, so, like, to get get dumped just right out of the blue didn't, didn't make sense to me. And it caught me off guard and really broke me open and started a chain of events (laughs) that, you know, brought me to this day. Okay. So I had been dumped. I had also been laid off from my job and I 
was working part-time, but I didn't have two big parts of my identity were who I was in my professional life. And um, just as a side note, I was vice president of strategy for a go-to-market business consulting firm. So, you know, kind of a big deal, or at least it seemed that way. It's not really. Um, And then I also, you know, had this relationship, the man that I thought I was going to marry you know, uh, I got dumped from both things (laughs) and I'm kind of like floundering a bit. Not really. Like I I realized like it was part of the, the path that I was on, but I, I was kind of in this nebulous place of just not really being able to see the destination anymore. I could only see the next step. I could only see the path in front of me. And so I'm in this kind of messy place and I'm okay at this point. Like I've got it together. I'm doing things, you know, I'm doing things that please me and reconnecting with who I am. But I ran into someone and they're like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while, blah, blah, blah. What are you up to? And I was like, "Uh, I'm exploring the nature of invisible things. And I don't know where that came from, but it did. And And it was true. It was completely true in that moment. I was starting to tap into the parts of myself that I'd kept hidden and were invisible, not only to other people, but to me. I was also starting to, through my yogic path, and I also read tarot at the time, and through the birth work that I was doing, I was really becoming in touch with the more than human world as well with the world of spirit and you know the unseen and what i was discovering was that the separation between this world and the other world is really just an illusion and it's very present and so i was kind of just having that awakening i mean i had always known but like there's one thing when you know it in the mind and then when you know it through experience those are like two different things and so I was having the experience of that. And I just, that, that term, that phrase, the nature of invisible things just really stuck with me. And so previously I had another blog and it was titled the same thing. So when I used to have my yoga website, Alchemy Yoga was uh, the name of my offering. And on the website, there was a blog called the nature of invisible things. And so then when I transformed out of yoga and into being the magical person that I am now, it just seemed really natural that I would write under the moniker, the nature of invisible things. So that's kind of how that came to be. And yeah, I'm really excited to see kind of what happens with it, what uh, continues to unfold. And I'm so glad that you're along for the ride and that you're game for this. I plan to have guests and for at least season one and and probably beyond. Again, I'm a relational person. My magic happens in partnership. So I I do plan on that, but occasionally there's probably going to be solo episodes with me and bits of my story. So I'll tell parts of it. I probably won't tell all of it. It'll just naturally kind of unfold the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And so these amazing people that you're going to get to meet And some of them likely you already know, because a lot of us are in the same circles. 
um, are people that I've met in two primary containers, or they are, they spin off from two primary containers. And so I'm just telling you now, you're going to hear those names quite a bit. And so don't get annoyed because finding my magical community was a big part of showing me that I'm not alone in the world. And it doesn't mean that all of these people, like we're all best friends and we talk to each other every single day and it's like one big slumber party, but it's more of just like, Hey, there are other people out there who have carved their own path, have made their own practice. And guess what? They're doing great. (laughs) You know, like you can do that. You can make your own path. You don't have to accept the road that's given to you or the road that you're told to take. You know, this is about stories and conversations, exploring the magic, mysticism, and creativity of the road less traveled. And sometimes nobody's been where you're going. So you're out there, you know, making your own path, making your own way. And I'm thrilled for you to get to hear these folks. And It's funny because I really, really wanted this to be a gift for all of you, for all of you listeners. And what it's turning out to be is actually also a gift for me. I mean, it's a gift in the sense I'm learning how to be a host and producer of a podcast, but I'm also being invited in to expansion of my own ideas and point of view. And so I have done um, about four interviews so far at the time that I am recording this on January 21st. Um, and I am already just floored with my own experience of listening to the wisdom that these folks have uh, embodied. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So that is a bit about that. Um, oh, and the two containers, that's where I was going. This is why I need a, a, a partner in my podcast because I can just go off on tangents. Um, the two groups, Britain LaRue is one of them. I've participated in several of Britain's containers and the primarily there are, um, it's the magician's table and you'll hear that a lot. And that's because where those containers are a good three months, three, four months, three and a half months at a time. And you're in a cohort with 12 other folks and you get to know each other, you know, and you're reading for each other. You're exchanging readings with one another. And it's just such a supportive, lovely space that it creates intimacy um, and it creates magic and it creates expansion in all kinds of ways. And so A lot of the folks that I met in 2021 when I did TMT the first time have become friends of mine and peers of mine and also teachers of mine and mentors of mine. Like we've continued to work together in certain ways. And so you're going to hear Britain's name and I hope to have Britain on the podcast one day as well. And then Portland School of Astrology is the other catalyst for my new adventure, I guess you could say. And I met, I was in that program for two years. And so I had amazing teachers, both 
in the school and as well as like guest teachers. And if you want to read all of those people and who they are, you can go to my website, slowmagic.com and check out the about page. And I list, you know, some of the amazing folks that we had as guest teachers at Portland School of Astrology. And similar, similarly, um, you know, my students, fellow students and peers, you know, we became really close, like being in those cohorts for, you know, a year or nine months or so. And, you know, you learn people's stories and you get to see them bloom and develop over time. And, you know, then they go on to be on their own path and, you know, it's just, it's a spiral that continues to, you know, move throughout time and space. And so the the majority of the folks that you will get to meet, actually, dare I say all of them at this point, I met through containers related to the magician's table or Portland School of Astrology for the primary, for this primary season, for the premiere season. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. So let me just say that I am going to share a little bit about my story. I already already have, like in terms of like the breakup, the breakup, the dumping. One day I won't talk about it so much. Um, but I think it happened like almost like happened a long time ago. Like the actual breakup happened in 2015. So almost 10 years ago. But like, you know, you get perspective on it. And one day I'll stop talking about it. And I'm okay. You know, I'm in a a loving relationship now. uh, And I went through that period of really figuring out who I am so that the the person that I am with now would really get to experience me as me. And, you know, that's, I'm going to have them on the podcast at some point, because I'm sure that's no easy thing either. I am a eighth house person, eighth house, sun, moon, mercury, Pisces rising. So I have a mutable rising sign and, you know, transformation is the name of the game. I'm always in process of becoming someone else or a new version of myself. And I'm sure that is interesting. So maybe we'll talk about that. And rather than me talk about it, you can hear it from someone else. Um, But what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, I, I'll share a little bit more about other parts of my origin story today. And before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you all that I have a workshop coming up on January 30th called the astrology of your life purpose. And I developed this because I had a few clients recently that were constellating in my orbit that had similar questions. Like they weren't the exact same question, but they were similar in that. That tends to happen to me. I'm not sure that always happens to other practitioners, but essentially it was some concept of, or the question of life purpose, but, and career, like they were kind of mixed together, um, And, you know, there's, when you're meeting with someone for the first time and just getting to know their chart, you can like pull threads of that, but it's, it's can be a bit nebulous. And I just kept thinking like, there's gotta be like a better way to get to a working model much more quickly. And then I remembered about the Japanese concept of Ikigai, which is a way that describes purposeful living that brings joy and satisfaction and a lot of folks in the West here, we use this or a version of this 
for career development. But, you know, life purpose is more than career development. But it's kind of like if you are doing what you love and you're able to provide for yourself in that way, like it provides happiness. I'm sure we've all heard that saying, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And yeah, that sounds great, but the reality of making that happen can be a bit more challenging. So Ikigai involves finding that sweet spot where you can do what you love, also what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you can be paid for. And like I said, finding that can be challenging. Usually it's like you'll get some pieces, like it's pretty easy to figure out like what you love. (laughs) And you probably, if you're you know, over the age of 30, if you had your Saturn return, you, you at least have some feedback on your life and know some things that you're good at. Maybe even before then what the world needs and like what you can get paid for can be a little bit more challenging to put together along with those things. And obviously like this is a working model. It's not like you figure it out once you plug the pieces in and boom, you've got your life purpose. No, it's, it's something that you have to marinate on and let it develop you know, over time and refine it. But I had trouble even getting started. You know, I couldn't even like throw darts at the board and get on the board, you know? And what I, then I started to think about it in relationship to my natal chart. And so there are planets and their signs and other points and and your houses, of course, that kind of align to those categories, even the ones about like what the world needs. And what we're going to do in this workshop is apply our natal astrology to our ikigai. And so part one is on January 30th, and that's where I will be explaining this approach and sharing the materials. And then part two is on February 1st, and that is going to show, um, it's going to be like a working session. So it's really a Q&A for folks that want direct help and feedback from me on their homework. And let's see, it's going to be about 90 minutes with a break. And then a link to the recording and materials will be emailed to folks within about 48 hours after the workshop. And it's $33 and it's free for my paid Substack subscribers. So once you sign up for my paid subscription, you'll get an email that'll have the code. And if you are already a paid subscriber, you can find the post titled The Astrology of Your Life Purpose, and the code is included in that post. Okay, so I hope you'll look forward to that. And you can find that at my website, go to slowmagic.com forward slash astrology dash events. talking a little bit about my origin story. It's only been recently that I really started to merge my spirituality with my practices of tarot and astrology. And it's not that they didn't have some kind of connection for it before. It's just, I didn't use those two mediums as I'll call it, or modalities as a way to connect to my spirituality until recently. And I think that's because of the way that I grew up. So I grew up in a conservative household. 
I never really felt at home in the organized religion, um, but I've always been spiritual. So I wanted to be a nun when I was little. And that's funny for a lot of reasons, but actually it's not funny at all. It's very precious if you think about it. I felt very connected to the divine and I talked to what I perceived as God as a child, like all the time. And I felt very connected to nature and with animals and that I'm seeing now as an adult was actually part of my mysticism, but I grew up in Christianity in Protestant Christianity and um, didn't ever really, it just, yeah, the experience just fell flat if I'm honest. And the older that I got, and then obviously like I identify as a woman and the rules and regulations, I'll just say, just the fact that there's no, there's not a lot of women perspectives or even women like in the Bible compared to men, just, it just wasn't that great. You know, I was like, eh, just didn't hit me in the way that I knew that I felt like was possible. But then I got older and I read about spiritual traditions worldwide and I started taking yoga classes. And this was maybe the gateway into developing my own spirituality was yoga and meditation. And not because I, not for any other reason other than it exposed me to like just a different method of connecting to the divine. So yes, I was practicing asana and pranayama and less about some of the other limbs of yoga, but that really started to show me that, Hey, there are other systems of thought around our human experience and our divinity. So I I started traveling a lot and I would take classes and go on retreats Um, particularly for yoga. And I became a yoga teacher. And at some point I read an article by the South Asian American perspectives on yoga in the West. And they had an article that was about white people in America in particular are so into yoga and have, you know, connected to it so deeply because we were divorced from our own ancestral traditions because of colonialism. And I have to tell you that really kind of shook me. Um, And it, because there was some truth to that. And so I just held that kind of gently and explored it and was like, yeah, that is, that is true. I am really connecting to the spirituality of yoga in addition to the physical practice. And yeah, it's filling a need that I didn't know that I had. And so then I started to research some of the folk and pagan traditions of my Irish Saxon and Slavic ancestors. And so I am, I am a good part of me is British and my mother and my matriarchal side is like from England I'm the first one uh, born in the United States. And so, but when you go through my ancestry up to a certain point, it starts to 
um, you have to go to Germany. So there's the, that's where the Saxon part comes in. So there's some, there's some British in there too, but that's like much, much more recent. Anyway, I read a book called Witches, Witches and Pagans by Max Dashu. And it's a phenomenal read that I recommend for anyone. And it just really starts to talk about like the, um, the connection to the weird, you know, and the weird being a spiritual way of thought that are, or, or at least my ancestors were connected with in some way, shape or form. And it, it was so fascinating to me. And so I got more and more into this and I started to travel to some of these sites in Europe and make pilgrimages to these sacred sites and connect with other seekers on the path. And then I started to read more about like women's spirituality um, in particular. A couple of other books that were foundational for me was The Dance of the Dissonant Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd. And oh gosh, <laughs> if you are a woman or identify as a woman, I mean, or a femme, at this book, just uh, chef's kiss. It, I never had read something that I felt like someone was writing my thoughts out in a book. And essentially, it's about Sue and her memoirs growing up as a daughter and wife of a pastor, and then having the experience of realizing, oh, there's this this, there is no place for women in this type of Christianity. And so it's about her experience and journey. And that just like blew my mind wide, wide open. And I'm not doing it justice because I haven't read it in a long time. I read it a long time ago, but it was foundational and helping me realize to see like, oh, there's another way. And so my spiritual practice continues to evolve, but I basically create my own, I have my own religion, for lack of a better word. Um, I pray, I meditate, I commune with the natural world. I always make some type of offering. So those components seem to be consistent as part of my practice. I also have a spiritual mentor. Um, and actually, she's going to be a guest on the podcast as well. I'm so thrilled to introduce you to her. And she's been a big part of helping me move into this creative life, this um, spiritually led, spiritually fed and creative life. And let me tell you, one of the biggest things that I could say, if you are new in your journey or if you've plateaued in your journey or you're stuck, like get a mentor, get a teacher. And it's so helpful to have someone that you regularly connect with that can give you that objective feedback and perspective and, and likely they've been there. Right. And so I'm making the leap or made the leap from a more traditionally accepted way of living and being to my spiritual life as my, as my life, you know, as the purpose of why I'm here and what I'm doing. And that's still, you know, continuing to materialize, but having someone give you the objectivity and the reality checks, the spiritual reality checks that you need is so it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. And um, I've been working with mine for over a year at this point. And it's just one of the things that I treasure 
um, so deeply. So yeah, so get get yourself a mentor if you're stuck and you feel like you need help or you're you know that like there's something more out there. Like you're completely fine, obviously. Like you just keep doing you. You don't have to do anything. But if you are a seeker and you're like, mm, I feel I feel the pull, but I don't quite know what to do. I know that there's something more out there for me, but I'm not quite sure what to do next. Like I would, I would definitely look, look for a mentor. And uh, actually several of the people that we're going to be talking to on the podcast to have mentorships available. And so, yeah, you know, just putting that out there (laughs) and, you know, astrology wise, I had my first astrology reading right after my divorce. And so before I got dumped by the fiance, I was actually married and I've been divorced longer than I was married at this point. And it was a marriage that happened right after college. And, uh, you know, it was the right thing at the time, but that, and that wasn't, um, that wasn't as traumatic splitting up because we knew that things weren't working. We actually tried to work it out several times. And then, you know, just, we, we came together and made the decision to not be married anymore. So it was very, um, like all the tears, (laughs) all the grief, all the love was already, you know, on its way out. The next loving thing for us was to dissolve our partnership. So anyway, but I was curious about what's next. It's like, okay, I, what's next for me? I, and again, really still not being able to see it, but stuck in that codependent pattern, was really looking for information about like, okay, what, when is my person coming? When is my person coming? So anyway, the astrology reading was amazing. It was actually a Vedic astrology reading was my first one. Um, And so if you're not familiar, there's different schools of thought on astrology and uh, there's different ways of reading the chart, obviously, but there's different schools of thought around astrology. And so Vedic astrology is its own kind of branch. And that was my first, my first experience. And it, and it was with a a pretty well-known astrologer in Los Angeles. And so it was, it was blew my mind open. And so actually it, you know, I started studying my own chart and I also continued to have readings here and there, but got to know my own chart pretty well in terms of like, okay, I have um, my Venus in Sagittarius. And so this means this, right? I have my Jupiter in Taurus. So it means this, like things like that. But then, you know, all these planets have connections or aspects to other planets. And then you have transits in the sky where the sky, the planets and, and luminaries in the sky make aspects or transits to your natal chart. And so it started to get more complicated. And I was like, ah, I gotta, I gotta take some classes because I I can't learn this on my own anymore. Like I only got so far on my own. And so I've, you know, Portland school of astrology, um, is, it's closed at the moment. I'm not quite sure like what's happening there long-term, but it's, it's, it's at least closed for right now. Um, but I was really lucky because Portland has like one of the largest astrology schools during the time that I was enrolled in the country. And, you know, I was looking for community and I was looking to learn more about myself. Like that's how I started. I actually did not plan to become a consulting astrologer at all. I just was hungry to understand myself. And, and I did, (laughs) 
But then what I found was, you know, you do practice readings um, at the end of your first year for people in your class and then also in the community. And I had such a good time doing that. And it reawakened the helper archetype that's within me. So actually, if you don't know this about me, I went to school. um, My undergrad is in psychology and my minor is in art. And I intended to go on to become a social worker, get a master's degree, and then possibly an art therapist was what I was thinking. But I ne- that never happened. After I graduated, I moved to Oregon, and then I got married. And, you know, life just kind of takes on a life of its own. And I never went back to school. But, like, I really enjoyed psychology. I loved understanding the relationship between you know, our brain and our behavior. And I loved exploring all of the intricacies of the human experience through that. Like it was fascinating to me. It actually helped me finish school. It took me a while to get through because of neurodivergence, but I actually had something like psychology became my special interest. So it was very easy to like go to class and read the, read all of the papers and write the papers and all of that stuff. Anyway, but I kind of put that away. Um, and when I started doing these practice readings, all of a sudden, like something started to awaken in me again. And I was like, oh, I really enjoy this. And I'm not saying that astrology, getting an astrology reading is like going to therapy or seeing a social worker or anything. I'm not saying that directly, but it's it's similar. Like you're, you're my reason for providing these services is to help people to get new perspective and to help make meaning out of challenging parts of life. You know, I've been through so much lived experience. Um, I've been through some really terrible things and I don't lead with that because nobody wants to hear that, but, you know, astrology helped me to look back on my life and it gave me language to express these more liminal parts of myself and helped me make meaning of those things. And I could see looking back at my life when those things happened and the astrological transits that were happening at the same time, it's like I could see the connection and it gave me a lot of peace. It made me realize like nothing's wrong with me. I'm not broken. I'm actually meant to be this way. (laughs) And the more I started to lean into the possibility that was the, or the promise, if you will, of my natal chart, my life just started to unfold in the most beautiful way. And it was just such a gift to understand who I am. And I wanted to be able to give that to other people. So that's kind of how that started. And then I started learning about planetary magic. And that was really incredible. Because planetary magic is, the planets have spirits related to them. And they have, even if it's not like the spirit of Jupiter, the spirit is an emissary of Jupiter. And so beginning to work with the Orphic hymns, beginning to start to develop relationships with the planets as spirits, as entities that are here to help us, blew my mind and my life wide open. And so there is this branch of astrology 
related to planetary magic and ceremonial magic. Um, But these aren't always very accessible or practical. Even I fell into this by accident. It was all very organic, right? I fell into it because I was experiment experimenting with things and things started to happen. And maybe one day I'll talk more about <laughs> what that was like and how that felt and how I knew how I knew what was happening. So anyway, I started to realize like, and how, well, okay, just in a nutshell, how it happened was I am, I've always loved ritual and I would construct these rituals and I started to do them around time, around transits that were happening in my natal chart. And I started to realize like, oh, whoa, there's so much more here than just than, than meets the eye. And so I started really combining astrology, my mysticism, and what I call casual ceremony. And during the pandemic, during the quarantine, I was put, stayed, you know, I was, I don't want to use the word stuck, but I was stationary for such a long time. And given my work previously, I was always on the go. I was always flying somewhere. I was always in a hotel room. I was always, you know, in the air or in a conference room somewhere. And I never really spent much time in one place until the pandemic happened. And I had this whole unfolding as a result of being in communion with planetary spirits, being stationary and connecting to the more than human world, just right in my backyard. And literally like all of the masking, all of the identities that I had constructed and adopted to make it in the world, to quote unquote, be successful as others define success, started to just gently kind of peel away. And my true self started to emerge. And so that's the concept. That's part of the concept behind slow magic is stepping into Kairos to be held in a web of sacred time and then working with nature uh, and or in the more than human, I'll call it, I call it nature because it's just more accessible than saying, oh, guess what? The more than human world is here to help us reclaim who we are and welcome us home, you know? But that was my experience of what happened. And then I had clients and I had people constantly in my orbit who needed something similar. And so that's kind of how my ritual design practice started and casual ceremony started. And it was just really beautiful and it was really well received. And so I think folks are hungry for a different type of spirituality that is more personal uh, and is also relational and not just some inaccessible God who you have to mediate through some other person, you know, some, somebody who's ordained anyway, I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Obviously I got really excited about that and I'm not quite sure where I went, but that's okay. That's okay. And the exploration of my, of the alignment between astrology and my mysticism continues today. And uh, I regularly reflect on my experiences and write about them and continue to take classes and study things. Um, I'm always, always, always being led down a number of paths by my curiosity and by my sacral yes. And 
y'all get to witness if curiosity ever kills the cat. (laughs) And then knowing one of the questions I think about now, and I do ask some folks on the podcast is knowing what I know now, what could I have done differently or what if I could go back in time? And I'm not talking about going back in time to like heal a moment of shame and like reframe that. I'm I'm more of talking like if I could do it over again, um, what would I do? And the only thing I could think of is that if I knew I was neurodivergent, I would have gotten the help I think that I needed and I might have had a better experience in school. I uh, hated school. I couldn't wait to be done. It was just, it was torture, honestly. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends. I had like one friend, so it wasn't friendless, but you know, I was, I was different and I, I had a hard time connecting with people and I had a hard time with certain subjects in school. I had to have a math tutor all through school or else I wouldn't have gotten. The only part of math that I didn't need a tutor for really was geometry because I could see the relationships, but algebra, holy hell, you know, (laughs) that was really rough for me. It was like, I couldn't process that information in the way that I needed to. And I'll never forget, like in seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, we had to take a career aptitude test. And I was actually really excited I actually talk about this in one of the episodes coming up. Like I always have wanted to arrive. I've always wanted to get to the point of who I am just so I could start, finally start living. Who am I? Who do I need to be? And so I was really excited to take a career aptitude test, but the test couldn't match me with a single thing. All of the other students got there like, oh, you'd be a great accountant or, oh, you'd be a great architect, you know, or, hey, have you thought about a career in medicine? No, the closest thing that anyone could find for me was a furrier. And if you don't know what a furrier is, it's someone who makes furs like out of animals. And I just was so disappointed because one, I had no desire to be a furrier, but we knew like that was, that was, wasn't a match. It wasn't even a match anyway. Like that was just the closest option they could find. And so I just had really struggled to find my way. And then all, all of this is just to suffice to say, I, I am who I am. Like that was part of my path. I, there isn't a path for me. I needed to carve out my own space and place in the world. And that's really what these conversations on this podcast are going to be about. And so if I could go back and do it over again, I would get support for the neurodivergence. um, And I would also maybe study something different in college. I would have studied maybe philosophy or theology and kind of leaned into like the mysticism uh, part of it. And yeah, I likely would have done that. Like I would have loved to have, you know, have a master's in theology. That would be pretty awesome. Oh, or library science. That's the other thing. I quote unquote, hashtag (laughs) all of the things secret librarian. That's something that I really identify with is I have always loved books. I've always loved reading. I um, We weren't allowed to watch TV growing up. We didn't even have cable until I was like in middle school. And I 
just love to read. I read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of um, mysteries, Nancy Drew, those types of things. And it just was such a gift. And I spent a lot of time at the public library where I grew up. And I, uh, if I could go back, yeah, it would be theology, philosophy, or library science would be the thing. And I don't know. I don't know if it would have materialized in the same way. Um, I'm just curious because I felt because I feel like I didn't find my way for so long. I'm just curious if I found clues of myself earlier, like what my life would be like now, you know, I'm just curious. Like I'm completely happy with things the way they turned out. And I could be a library now if I wanted, but I'm, I'm not, I'm a mystic with a feral heart. So let me bring it home. <laughs> what I would love to let you know is that you don't need astrology or ritual or mysticism even to like live your life. Like you're completely fine. You do you. I will say like it makes life more fun um, for me. And so I offer a few different things and I've never really talked about my offerings before. So I'm going to attempt to do that now. My signature offering or my flagship offering, I guess we'd say is called sacred signatures. And that's the one most people book with me uh, at the present time. And this is where we look at discovering the inherent magic embedded in your natal astrology. And that's because what I was really interested in when I was at Portland School of Astrology was the malefics, so Mars and Saturn, and then also planets in fall and detriment. And what that means, if you're not familiar, is just planets that um, don't operate in the standard way, right? So you have, like, I have Saturn in Leo. Saturn is cold and dark, isolated and constricting. And the energy of Leo is bright and um, interactive and creative and warm. And um, there's, you can see there's like a difference there. And so a, a Saturn in Leo has typically would, would behave or need to behave differently in order to express itself. And so I was really curious about that. And in, and in traditional astrology, you know, some of these placements um, are written about kind of negatively. And I know I'm not the only astrologer that thinks this. Um, recently at Norwalk last year, uh, Gray Crawford gave a great talk called Far From Home. And it's about planets in detriment or in fall that actually are gifts for people. And they looked at some famous people, artists in particular, and uh, just some of the the signatures they had in common. And so this is a similar thing for me. I'm really interested at those challenging aspects in a natal chart and then planets who, you know, we have to work a little bit harder to embody that. And like a lot of people tell me like, oh my gosh, you have such great boundaries. And I'm like, yeah, I had to work really hard <laughs> at my Saturn. Uh, because not only is it in Leo, but it's in the sixth house, which is, you know, not that great. And then I have my son in Libra, which is in fall because, and in the eighth house in whole sign houses. So, you know, I didn't really win the astrological lottery, if you will. And that's okay because they all provide their own unique gifts. And that's what I was exploring. I also was going through my Uranian opposition and there are a series of midlife transits that happen. And my midlife transits, Pluto square, Pluto, Neptune square, Neptune, um, all of those were happening at the time that 
I got dumped, right? So you can see like some of these, the timing on this and how it, I'll, I'll just say kind of course corrects the life a bit. We talk about like timeline jumping sometimes. There's like you can choose to jump to another timeline, but then sometimes it's just time to move to another timeline. And I think the malefics and then the outer planets will help us, <laughs> help us not always so gently move to those other timelines when it's time. And so long story long, Sacred Signatures is about looking at these things because some of these difficult aspects, I really believe, are foundational in helping us unlock gifts in our natal chart. So that's Sacred Signatures. I also offer bespoke ritual consultation, planning, and mentorship. And so this is something that is really cool. Like if you have a major life milestone coming up or you are launching a magical business or anything really that you want to have some concrete touchstones throughout a, a three-month or six-month process, I do bespoke ritual consultation. So what that means is like we talk about what your goal or what you're wanting to invite into your life and then look at your natal astrology and the timing with the current transits and then create a series of rituals that help concretize and materialize what you want in life. And of course, to do that, you need to know like what you want in life. So, <laughs> you know, that's that, but it is, it's really cool. And so folks tend to work with me because I am pretty warm and compassionate. I hold an empathetic space and I do have a level of insight that I enjoy to find out. I love, I have a Scorpio Mars conjunct Uranus in my North node. Like I want to find the answer for you <laughs> and not that it is the answer. Again, it often usually just ends up being an option or a door open, but I, I really want to make sure that folks get the information they need in order to take the next step on their path. Um, yeah. And so again, you don't need astrology or ritual to do life, right? But it makes life much more interesting. And I'm really, you know, at this point in my life, um, I'm about to, you know, I'm in my second half of life. I'm in my midlife. I'm really proud that I've learned to trust myself. And I'm really thinking that the second half is going to be better than the first. And the most rewarding aspect of living this way is that it's a constant adventure and exploration. I love watching the world, the both the seen world and the unseen world respond to me. And I'm continually amazed. Um, I also don't know what will happen. And I kind of learned to love that. And I really consider my life art, meaning like I am an artist, I'm a creative, but my canvas is my life. And I'm constantly being invited to deepen the experience of being myself. And it turns out that this is what I was actually hungry for all along. It was my own love and adoration that I'd been searching for. And my creative work, my spiritual life really allows me to remain in this devoted place each day. Well, I think that's a wrap for this first episode. Episode zero actually is what I'm going to call it. And I really wish you well 
I am sending you lots and lots of love from all of the places in between. Until next time. This has been The Nature of Invisible Things, produced, hosted by Aaron Kelly, artwork by Aaron Kelly, music by Matthew Jai Dev of Audio Soul Healing. Mm-hmm.